how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Terry Suday. He actually came to the U.S. for his first job after school at 23, spent 10 years in the CPG industry, and consulted in both U.S. and Europe before founding UpClear in 2008. Something that's really cool about what he's done is he hasn't raised any external capital, so he's, he's bootstrapping, which, which hashtag respect for that. He's been listed on the Inc. 5000 for eight consecutive years from 2014 to 2021. On top of it, too, he's got a really cool solution that's revenue management SaaS, which I would love to get into so everybody knows what that is. And on top of it, he is an avid runner with an amazing story around, and now he participates in marathons for New York and Paris every year. What's up, Terry? How's it going, man? Hey, Ryan. Thank you, and happy to be here. I've uh, listened to a few of your podcasts, and it's always great to listen to peers uh, and sh- yeah, share common challenges, for sure. Yeah, well, thanks for being on, and, and you, you have some amazing stories to share as well, so super excited to get into that. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through the, uh, the Founder 5 real quick. So what revenue stage are you at right now? Yeah, our recurring is about $11 million at this point. Okay, perfect. So you're at 11 million ARR. What's your go-to-market strategy? Is it product? Is it marketing? Is it sales-led? Mostly product. Uh, until very recently, we've had no sales uh, team, uh, literally very little marketing. So it's really been product, working with clients and taking one step at a time and growing one client at a time uh, with a, a good uh, product that fits the, the needs of our clients. And at well, the same time, keep, keeping it as standard as possible so it can scale for sure. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will be excited about that product-led strategy. So how, how big is your team? Uh, 55 uh, at this stage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you said, you mentioned not a lot. How many are in sales? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've always been doing a bit of the sales historically, and then I hired a, a CS team. So the, um, the region leaders were doing the pre-sales demos, etc. And it's only recently last year that we've added one guy who's solely exclusively focused on building the pipeline and, and, and doing demos. Um, but he's the only one outside of that, the, everybody else has another job and, um, we've really relied on, you know, word of mouth and uh, referrals, uh, to grow the business. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and so talk really high level and in, in two sentences or less, what does your solution do exactly? Right. So we are uh, up clear our, uh, our software is a name called blue planner. Um, and it's a vertical SaaS. So we, we work in the CPG space, um, companies, uh, that have revenue anywhere between 50 million in revenue and, Two three billion, um, and we help them with uh, originally sales planning and, and managing pricing and promotion changes. Uh, but now we've evolved with more data in the system. We've evolved uh, much more as a analytical, uh, intelligence-driven uh, software as well. So we kind of have two sets of users. We have the operational 
hands-on users that create sales plan and, and promotional activities for their retailers. Um, and the other half of our users is the, the revenue management teams um, that really look at the numbers and, and, and form their decisions uh, for future planning based on the, on the data that we extract. Okay, love, love that. See a huge need for that, especially on the supply chain side and sales side. And then, so what would you say is your ninja skill? Your, your one skill that you think, I'm sure you have many skills, obviously, to, to get to where you're at. But what would you say is your ninja skill? Something that you do absolutely amazing um, that you're really proud of? Well, there's always the, um, the, the product market fit and um, making sure that you keep your software easy to use. Um, I mean, it seems easy to say, but, uh, you know, in a vertical SaaS, it's pretty advanced. Um, functionality and then also we serve clients globally so the requirements are very different one from the other and so it's difficult to keep the page that you're working on pretty simple to use for everyone uh, and we've not managed that but also uh, to scale what we've done is we've also maintained one single software we've said no to customization uh, you know it's easy to say okay client i'm going to develop that for you and it'll work perfectly for you we, we've kind of said no to that and in the end uh we've been able to grow consistently thanks to that i think excellent well that's that's amazing discipline so thanks for the quick breakdown on that so so terry just walk us through like where you're at today i mean you're doing some amazing things you're running marathons you're you got an 11 million dollar ar company and you know you got like one salesperson doing it so i mean just just Give us the full breadth of of what's kind of going on today, and then not to mention the this you know the 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 run that you've had for the Inc. Five Thousand fastest growing companies. So so walk us through that. You know, walk us through your your exact situation today, uh, what it's like. You know, kind of what you're going through and, and where you're at, so that everyone has a, a deeper starting point of of you and your organization. Yeah, it's interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, I had dinner with another founder of a company that recently sold for 1 billion plus um, and he's telling me wow. look yeah uh, can you tell wait can you tell us who it is i seems you... yeah um i seems they do uh, hr systems applicant tracking systems they were one of the pioneers in that field and he's telling me look it took me 10 years to go from 0 to 15 20 million in arr but then it took me the next 5 to go from 20 to 100 and wow. then the next three to get from 100 to 250 or so. Um, so th there's a there's an acceleration, and so and, and it it takes a few milestones. I think historically, when I look back, it's been 12 years now, 13 years. There's been a few milestones that we've hit that took us where we are now. And today, we this year we passed the 10 million mark in in actual annualized revenue and. We're thinking a bit differently about the future. So I think we're going to invest a bit more in growth. Um, we, we now you know, have a, a system that, that is proven, a team that is bigger, and, and all of a sudden you get more um, inbound leads and, and uh, interest from bigger clients. So our next step is really to go up market um, and be a bit more focused on business development in, in different areas, uh, whether it's geography or, or product. Uh, but historically I, I can see three or four phases that took us here for sure, uh, from developing the product to working with a handful of clients, uh, for the first five years and, and have patience there to get to the right place. Uh, 
you know, it took, after five years, I think I only had five clients uh, in the end and, wow. and probably uh, a revenue less than half a million. I can't remember, um, but wow. that was the first phase. But uh, we were also sitting down with our clients every day, trying to really get it right. Um, the next five years were more about um, expanding our teams and, you know, uh, transferring the knowledge to uh, the client teams. And and then more recently, we've invested more again in the product, building scalability in the product uh, so that we can get ready for the next phase. So there's three, those three phases, getting the first product right so you can um, have other people uh, implement it, um, demo it and implement it. And then you go back to the product and, and you build scalability. And we've done that for the past two years and we still have some work to do to um, make it even even more uh, scalable in terms of uh, data, etc. But uh, yeah, it, it takes a few stages, um, but you need to keep um, believing in what you're doing and not compromise. Um, stick to your plan and, and and again saying no to clients and we, we've always had this rule that you know it's the 80 20 we have an amazing system but it covers 80 percent of what you need um with us you're not going to get 100 but you're going to get 80 um percent that works tomorrow and it's SaaS. it's super easy to use your users going to love it but you have to admit that or accept that you're not going to get the extra 20. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. takes which takes other vendors, you know, years to to do, right? So, yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah. I mean, and you're looking at your milestones, right? So, five customers, half a million dollars in revenue, and and you just nailed that, got it right, and then you kind of focused, you know, on scaling to the next size, getting more and more customers, and then now you're looking at product scalability, and so I think that's awesome, and it's hard for people to have that level of patience, so. And most people wouldn't, you know, so how did you, you know, for five years to get to 500K roughly, right? Ballpark. I know you said ballpark. How did you have the patience to take five years to get to 500K annually in revenue? Yeah, I started this business from a position of consultant. So I was um, working with one single client um, and developing solutions or um, changes in in business process, but uh, the, the solution that we sell now was, you know, uh, initiated with one client in the UK, and um, I was passionate about the product. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily have a, a vision to to scale uh, to 500 customers at the time. I just wanted to get the product right, um, get another client. Maybe when I, when I established the business, my big focus for the first year was to get a, a second client, effectively, and I was patient to wait a year uh, until a small company came in and said, well, maybe we can try your solution. Um, And then I spent a year with that first client, real client, sitting down with them again on site um, to get it right for them um, with that long-term belief that it, it would it would um, it, it would scale at some point. Um, I mean, I was again, I was coming from consulting. So as soon as we started charging subscriptions, you know, I was earning a, a bit more. And there was a rule at the beginning for every new client, one new employee. So I think after three or four years, we had again five clients, five employees, and that's when you start thinking, uh, well, you know, we can scale this up a little bit more. Um, and very quickly, you go from five to twenty-five clients, and then from twenty-five to a hundred. Yeah. Love that. 
So was there any point on your way to growing from zero to, you know, that 11 million ARR that you thought, hey, I might fail. This might not work. Possibly in the early years, it was a bit overwhelming in the enterprise space. And I'm sure uh, that's the case for all SaaS vendors. You, you come in and whether you have a horizontal solution or a vertical, it's crowded, right? There's always vendors and there's always big vendors. Um, the SAPs or possibly Microsoft. So, so there's always big vendors that you come up against at, at a trade show or, and you're like, how the hell am I going to compete with these guys? <laughs> and that's why you have to be realistic uh, and humble and uh, just just think, you know, that's okay. I'm going to work with my three to six clients and make them happy. And one day, and then, so it's, it's the successes that come um, year after year that keep you going. Um, I, I did have doubts, I guess, the first year. Uh, yeah, I formed a company in the UK and then I, I very quickly moved back to the US. And for a year, I contacted all of my contacts, tried to get some intros and demos. And some guys told me, yeah, we're going to try it. And then a month later, it falls apart. And it's like, oh. Um, but after a year, out of the blue, I got a... I got a, a request from a, like I mentioned, a small company, and that gives you a boost for another 12 months, right? So it's these um, moments of uh, doubts, but that are followed by excitement that, that keep you going. And I mean, once you've got, again, SAS, very early, I established that model of subscription. In fact, I got some pushback from clients in the, in the early days because I, I was early on charging a yearly subscription or monthly or yearly subscription as opposed to the traditional you know um, um, license and then maintenance um, but as I, I wanted to gain clients so i said okay well you know what i have all the time in the world I'm, i'll deploy the solution for free for you however our model is going to be you pay us every year so i don't know 60 80,000 a year um, so that gave me the cash flow and so very after a couple of years um, of not paying myself and have very, having very limited resources uh, in year three, um, we started seeing some recurring revenue coming in and then adding one, again, one employee at a time. And, and there was not, at that point, I knew that we, all we had to do is do a good job and it would grow um, automatically, naturally, yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you being so candid about your journey because there's, there's founders that are struggling at all different stages, right? I've talked to them and everybody has different inflection points. And so it's awesome that you broke through and, and, and made that a reality and kind of where you're at right now. So the question I have for you is like, you know, Terry, like you're, you got 11 million ARR and you, you did that predominantly through a product led growth model. So why move up market now? Why is now the right time? Well, it's the right time because we're, we're changing league a little bit, right? When you pass 10 million, um, you get more visibility with, uh, with investors, with partners, with clients as well. So up until now, half of our client base would not even consider us because we were too small. But I think now this is changing. So we, 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 have two, we actually have two families of clients. We have independence, uh, mostly in North America. So we're talking about brands that, um, well, Vita Coco is one of them, uh, Beyond Meat, brands that are anywhere between $100 and $2 billion in revenue, but they're 
somewhat they've grown themselves, family-owned businesses or privately held companies, some of them that are owned by uh, PE firms, but um, they're growing and they want to work with the agile vendors. Often these companies are open to take risks and uh, work with small vendors like us. On the other side of our business, the other 50%, it's subsidiaries of multinationals. And those, there's a lot of red tape um, getting through, it takes months. Uh, recently, we, we, we won a big account in Asia, um, but it, the sales cycle was two years. Um, and then all of that complexity, but as you, get bigger when you get closer to 10 million etc you're able to have your 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 suck reports uh you ha you're able to have a legal support that you wouldn't have before and 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 also just the credibility that you, this you didn't necessarily have so the, the question of you know how many employees do you have or are you guys certified for this or do you what are your security protocols etc we we tick the box and it, so it's much easier and so it's the right time i think now to just uh, we feel more confident that we can win those big rfps um and move up market and that's how we can grow right because the if you want to maintain a 20 30 percent growth um when you get to that level there's no other way like the, the small accounts there mid market or small market isn't going to give enough and I mean, it's also quite exciting for the team to go up market because it's more um, more data, and it's also more, more product uh, possibilities, you know, around data intelligence, etc. So it's just it, it works for everyone. Uh, but the other aspect is you're also more attractive for to partners, right? So large data partners uh, that you can uh, work with, and uh, and those guys they have introductions with larger accounts as well. So our next step is possibly to work with bigger companies in partnerships that um, maybe that'll take a form of some sort of a merger or funding, or I think we're open to that at this point uh, that help helps us really gain scale on a global stage. Um, and we, I, I'm very confident that we have the right foundations in place now after so many years to actually uh, move up and, and compete with the very big guys that I mentioned. Well, you have some big customers already. I mean, I, I saw you got some pretty big logos already. Can you can you drop a couple of them as an yeah, example? Of course. So Denon, the Denon Group is a major um, CPG company worldwide. We started with them. The, the product was, was uh, in, in, in inception or conception with them uh, in the early days. So always uh, an amazing story. We've grown with them from one market in England to 15 or 20 markets globally. Um, and it's thanks to that relationship that we've been able to expand geographically in, throughout Europe and in Asia. So a great success story. And since, thanks to that, we've been able to add other global uh, accounts like uh, uh, Ferrero, Chocolate, um, Kraft Heinz, um, nice. Perfetti. Yeah. Yeah, those. I mean, those are some some big big logos. So awesome work on that. And I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because sometimes in, in the enterprise space you have because that's 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 where I lived for a long time and and built a team from scratch. And one of the things that we did, we were really focused on driving the speed of those deals down. So we actually got our average sales cycle length down to nine months on average for deals that were three hundred thousand dollars or more, which was pretty cool because then it it drives that, you know, kind of annual predictability with that. And that scaled all the way up to $20 million deals. So, 
Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a huge bright future for you, especially in this space, considering you're getting inbound referrals, you've grown through product led and you know, you really nailed that product. So I, I think that's awesome. And, and the, 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 the good thing with us is, uh, and I guess that applies to other industries, but in consumer goods, there's a lot of global consolidation, right? I think 90% of the business is owned by those top 20 multinationals, mm -hmm. right? The, the Unilever, Nestle, uh, et cetera, of the world. So um, if you if you deploy in a smaller subsidiary um, and you do a good job there, chances are, you know, they're going to talk, you know, they, they, they have their own success stories internally. And so they can spread the word and uh, you, you get other markets. And you expect that's how we've grown in many ways. You you go from one subsidiary in, in one country to another to another. And before you know it, you have 10 subsidiaries. And yeah, you yeah, so, so you're recurring revenue start. for the years to come. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And then like, have you, have you heard of what ServiceNow has done at all with, with their kind of move up market strategy? Have you heard about that at all or no? I'm not sure. So, so yeah, to get more specific. So basically they were supposed to only focus on fortune 500, fortune 1000, cause that was their deal it was only an enterprise grade solution. And they have 2,000 customers <laughs> and they keep expanding their TAM consistently because they keep providing more and more. So um, I think they're over a billion dollars in AR. So it's like there's just mountains of opportunity. Um, another another example is Palantir. Have you heard of Palantir at all? Peter Thiel's company? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're, they do um, their $40 billion valuation and they get, check this out, they get 66% of their revenue from their top 20 customers. Top 20 customers, right? And that's like three or four billion in revenue. So, and then what they did too, which is something cool, um, their expansion model is they get each customer to spend 36% more with them every year. So not only do they have that, you know, big customer, but they got an awesome expansion model, which is something that I help clients implement so that they can continue to expand the wall with those big customers because you know, you've invested so much time getting in there. And once you get in there, then that's how you grow and grow and grow. So it's a beautiful model. So I could, I could share with you the details on it. Um, but shifting gears a little bit, Terry, I, I know, you know, you, something really cool that you did is, is marathons. And I know we talked a little bit earlier about how it was transformative with some of the things that you're doing. So can you just walk us through that? And I know that that post that you wrote about it blew up on LinkedIn. So can you just share that story? Because I think it'd be very amazing and inspirational to to kind of go through. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've always been a runner um, as a kid or uh, in school. But uh, the sad thing is, because of the the early days of the business, I was hands on working fourteen hour days. I kind of stopped. I mean, so I ran marathons in my 20s. Um, I was pretty good at it, but I was also busy doing other things. Um, but in my 30s, I set up that business um, and I kind of stopped running. Uh, but then I turned 40 and I realized, what have I done? You know, I've, I've, I didn't waste 10 years of my life, but I loved running. Why did I not? Continue? There's no excuse, right? The, the, and and so I went back to it and um, I had kids, uh, young kids. So the, the best way to do this was to set time in the morning. Um, and I found the discipline to do it, you know, uh, more and more mornings in the week. And I went, I came back to a level, which, uh, which has been amazing um, by applying that, you know, 
diligence of, of doing it uh, very focused and also with a team. Um, so I'm really proud that I, I went back to it and um, and that I, I could achieve these good results. But there's so many, so recent, that post that you're mentioning, um, yeah, there's so many parallels that I found between running the business and running marathons, uh, so many. And uh, I can talk about this a lot, but um, what's interesting um, is that I stopped running because I thought I didn't have the time uh, in my 30s when I was starting the business. And in fact, um, I did find the time. And even if the time that I found running took a little bit, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half of my business day, it was for the best um, because it was time that I could step back. It was time for me. It was time that I would let the teams run their own things um it was uh, it was just time that i'd missed and um it detached me a little bit from the business and uh physically i think it helped me to sleep better i mean i would go to bed early um because i would wake up every day at 5 30 uh, so i would go to bed <laughs> early and and the good thing is I, I would go to bed and not think about work because i was so tired that i would just sleep like a baby <laughs> at, at 9 30 so a lot of the stress got physically, if you like, uh, evacuated. Um, and I guess it came at a time when the business was growing, so it was possibly easier, but I, I, I would encourage anybody to pick up one extra activity. It doesn't need to be sport, but um, every day, that you do every day and that you take for yourself. And also the other thing with running is that in the early days, I was running with earbuds and listening to music, and and now I don't. Uh, so I'm either with friends or just on my own and, and no input, right? Because we get today, we wow. get bombarded, bombarded with uh, inputs, you know, and alerts and notifications all over. And so when I run, it's actually the only time awake in the in the day that I'm free of all these this bombing and uh it's good this is good it refreshes your mind and um and keeping the body healthy is is also uh super important i, I found um and the good thing too is that you feel better and the team sees that uh so that there's also that beneficial aspect for the entire team i think yeah that's that's awesome and i i think it's 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 amazing that you have no input so have you, because of that, received some of the most like creative ideas while you're running that that you've ever had, or, or what kind of mental benefits have you seen from that? Yeah, so I'm not necessarily. I'm, in fact, I'm not at all thinking about uh, the business when I run, but I, I'm sure that when I'm back home, I take the shower. All of a sudden, I'm I'm ready to start the day with a, a fresh mind and 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 definitely some some thoughts or decisions that have cleared up. There's no doubt, no doubt. You know, yeah. I, I, I come home at seven and then it's nonstop with the kids and running to the office. And um, But in the shower, when I come home and I'm willing to start the day, I, I think uh, it's clear in front of me. I know what the day's about. I've, I've been able to prioritize and yeah, definitely. And, and do you, how, how much do you run a day? How, how much time and how yeah, much? Yeah, about, about an hour a day. I mean, on average, seven to eight hours a week. Um, I'm, I'm a member of a team, so that helps the um, accountability a lot. And we, we have a whole schedule of easy runs and workouts. Um, so there's a whole schedule to the week also, by the way, around that, around the, the, the exercise, which which is very good. 
but yeah, like any day, every day, six to seven a.m. Pretty much. That's awesome. Congrats on that, man. Do you do any biohacking so your body doesn't break down, or any other restorative kind of uh, eating or biohacking, anything like that? I, I, I'm starting to pay a bit more attention at the diet. I've, uh, yeah, I've cut down a bit the red meat for sure. To, I still eat a bit of meat, but it's more of a celebrate, celebration uh, thing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be careful. I don't want to gain weight, um, but there's always more I could do. Uh, but yeah, naturally, you eat better when you're, when you're exercising a lot, for sure. Yeah. I, well, I look at a piece of steak now and again, like five pounds. So, yeah, and, exactly. and for those of you that are listening, like Terry, Terry's a, you know, a trim streamlined young man over here. So he's, he's got <laughs> nothing to worry about in terms of gaining weight, man. He's, he's pretty streamlined. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, I got one more question. So you mentioned at the beginning about your ninja skill being making the product super easy to use, which is huge for any kind of product led growth strategy to start. So, Break break down the model in terms of like your view of that and how you approach it in like three, four, five steps. Just to, in terms of like, okay, when I look at this first, then this, then this, then that, um, to make the usability easy. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a few aspects I think to that question, um, but there's the design, um, which is super important, right? Like, often when you develop software. You look at requirements um, and you try to fit them all on the page, but there's, there's got to be rules in how you design the page um, in a transactional system to to make it extremely intuitive for the user. So it, it can't be too busy. Uh, the, the screen needs to be uh, pretty lean with very clear buttons, etc. So, I mean, software companies know that uh, but i think it you know it's 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 rule number 1 keep it extremely obvious and and easy to use for the end user um and then uh make sure that you uh come and I, or everything you do needs to serve another benefit right so there, there's no every, every time there's a new request come into the software make sure you step back and, and make sure that you you're doing this but it's going to open the door to do more uh, with mm. other with other clients, etc. Uh, so always think um, scalability. And when the problems come, a bug or an issue comes in, always look at the root cause and never. So keep digging, you know, uh, keep digging to the root cause of the issue. Uh, and really take the time, you know. It's don't rush it. You know, take the time to correct the fundamental problem that was introduced. And often in in software, um, problems. And solutions create more code and more, you know, tech debt that you have to maintain. So, very important to to eliminate everything unnecessary and and have a clean um, software that people can just come in and, and and support as well. I love that. So simplicity, keep your eye on the problems, and then root cause. How 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 much time during the week do you spend on on product? Just looking at product and. Yeah, so I mentioned at the beginning that we're coming back to the product where we've upgraded our our platform recently in the past two years. So with that project, have been we've our, our tech team has, has tripled in the past two years. Um, that's wow. that's exciting because you think you you think in SaaS you develop and you're done. That's not the case. It, it, you need to adopt the, the latest tech. You need to continue to innovate and and work on performance and and features. 
Um, so recently I've spent much more time, which I enjoy with the team on, on the product. Uh, so I'd say 40, 50, cl wow. close to 50%. Yeah. Wow. So Excellent. I compare and, and, and I meet other uh, founders or CEOs, at least possibly more CEOs than founders. Um, but some of us have completely different jobs. I mean, I, I meet CEOs that, you know, spend 90% of their time outside of the office, uh, conferences, uh, investors, etc. And my time is spent with the team 90, 95% in the office. I go to very few events really now. Um, so yeah, working with the team and a lot on the product and, and thinking about ways to scale uh, our company. Excellent. Well, Terry, it was awesome having you on the show today. I really appreciate you being candid about your story, how you got there, transformations that you have. Where can people find out or more about you, connect with you, or learn more about Upclear? Well, thanks, Ryan, for having me. A pleasure. Um, and it's always great to hear other other founders and you know uh, i can relate to marathon runners and uh, but i can relate to founders obviously the same way it is that thing in common that we understand each other um yeah linkedin is the best place of course i think uh, find me on linkedin and happy to chat excellent man well thank you so much for being on the show thank you for your time and love 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 the direction that you're heading i see huge things happening for you over the next few years so thanks for being on Thanks, Ryan. Good job with the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.